Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 16th episode of the With Podcast. Here we are again today trying to wrap our head, heart, and hands around one part of being with. Now, with comes in many different forms, uh, with God, with others, and with ourselves. You know, as I was thinking and praying through the subject matter today, I just, there's a lot going on. That's the understatement of this young century, perhaps, but doesn't it seem like everything is moving? Everything is shaking. Everything is on the verge of just completely coming unhinged. At, at the very least, stuff is just swirling and happening. Speaking from my vantage point, the virus first, its presence, yes, is disconcerting, but also the conversation morphs continuously, coupled with now society reopening all of the phases and the changing phases and the shifting phases. Of course, the unspeakable abuse of power that resulted in the killing of George Floyd, the surfacing of the already present problem and stain of racism and the abuse, uh, just abuse of power. Multiply all of that, again, personally, by the fact that I have a marriage and that marriage still begs for attention and needs work. Are you with me? We have three kids who, yes, they're done with distance learning. That takes something off of our plate, but they're still home and in need of more activity. I have extended family who, who want to, quote unquote, remain familial. They want to talk. They want to connect. They want to share. And then it just got hot, like hot. I don't know about you, but in the middle of everything else, I didn't need that. Also, while I was preparing this conversation, this podcast, right here at this moment, a bird slammed into the window next to where I was. <laughs> There's this constant barrage of developments and bulletins. I'm not even trying to know everything or keep up with anything, but I find myself getting sucked into all of it like a small inconsequential floating rock in space being pulled into the implosion of the gravity of a dying star. Maybe that's a little bit over the top, but I liken it to this. Asa and I went running the other day some weeks ago. I don't know what I was thinking, asking my 14-year-old 6'2 son whose legs start just under his ribcage to go for a run. But anyway, I did. And we had set a reasonable pace. And towards the end, I found we were speeding up. And we kept speeding up. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we both had this quizzical look on, my, on our faces until I, the elder statesman, finally said, why do you keep speeding up? And he looked at me and said, you keep speeding up. I said, no, I don't. I'm speeding up because you're speeding up. All of this makes me remember Aesop's fable. You know, the one about the tortoise and the hare? The story goes like this, that the tortoise and the hare challenge one another to a race. And of course, the hare is confident. He's one of the fastest little critters, and the tortoise is one of the slowest. So they start the race, and hare messes around, and hare takes a nap, and hare fiddles with this and does over here with that. Meanwhile, the tortoise is just slow and steady, plodding along. The end of the story, the end of the fable, is that the tortoise wins. The tortoise wins despite going slow. I've long admired many things about Jesus. I mean, I'm grateful he's the Messiah and that he offers me salvation with his sacrifice on the cross. But more than that, too, as a person and as a man who lived and breathed, I'm really intrigued by how he did that. One thing in particular I'm coming to appreciate is his slowness. Jesus is deliberate. Jesus doesn't seem to be in a rush. 
Jesus doesn't seem to be in a hurry. Come on, somebody. Can anybody else get on board with that? Maybe that part of his character is wrapped up in his divinity. I'll give you that. You, You know, that part of him. God, who knows the end from the beginning, like it says in Isaiah 46. But Jesus, even in the midst of his divinity, knowing the end from the beginning, still weeps when he finds his friend Lazarus has died. He's still affected, it seems like, by the intermediate, by the mean time. As an aside, we would all be well served by greater practical faith. Not just something that we say we believe, but living what we believe. Agreeing with the supposition that God is faithful to complete what he started. We could all better our lives, these cultures we're part of, and the world we're in, if we chose the practical courage that is found only in trusting God, moment to moment to moment in every part of our lives. But Jesus, back to Jesus. And again, I'm not talking about Savior Jesus, King Jesus, or Swedish Jesus. You know, the one that we see in pictures with the long blonde hair who doesn't really walk, but he floats above the ground. I'm talking about tortoise Jesus. The tortoise Jesus that we see in the gospel of Mark is he's invited to a home where there's a sick child. And it seems like he's not in a rush. He, he heals a woman with issue of blood. He, he, he touches this one. He teaches that. He doesn't seem like he's in a hurry. Or the tortoise Jesus who is interacting with the rich young ruler. Come on, Jesus, close the deal. Tell him how to inherit eternal life. But instead, Jesus has a conversation with him and seems to discern this guy needs a little bit something extra or different. He should sell everything. And he offers that opportunity. And because he's not in a hurry, Jesus lets that rich young ruler walk away. The tortoise Jesus, who when he is called about his friend being sick, Lazarus, he seems to take his time. He gets there four days after he's been laid in the tomb. Tortoise Jesus, who doesn't seem to be in a hurry to correct the disciples who are on the road to Emmaus. So he listens to these disciples who are hopeless and downcast and downtrodden in their emotional state. Talk about himself, by the way, for over seven miles. Tortoise Jesus, who is called the Lord of the Sabbath, who also observes the Sabbath and teaches on it. Tortoise Jesus, who doesn't even start his ministry until he's 30. 30. And 30 is not the new 20 like it is today. And by the way, 40 is the new 20. But this is a time and space in ancient Palestine where the life expectancy was 35. Sure, that statistic is driven down by infant mortality and lots of other things. My point is, Jesus doesn't seem to need to rush. And I think we all would be well served, especially in our here, our now, in the midst of our emotions and everything else that's swirling around us, if we would do the same as he does. First, some practical pieces, the Sabbath piece. Now, I could talk about the Sabbath all the time, and maybe this is a podcast series coming up. But it's one of the top 10. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's the only one that says, hey, remember this. It's the only one that's tied to a blessing and a promise. And Sabbath doesn't just come up in the Ten Commandments. It's put into the narrative of creation. Genesis chapter 1, that God rested. There's so much more to say on that, but I'll simply say this. As God places this principle, as he suggests this way and avenue of living, when we are apply ourselves to it, We can only go so quickly. You can only go so fast when you have to keep stopping. 
Think of it like this. When you're driving from point A to point B and being interrupted by stop signs and rules called laws and stoplights, you can only seem to go so fast if you know you're going to have to slow down to stop shortly. Sabbath is meant, I think, to do that. Keep us from going at such breakneck speeds. Jesus, not just as God, but as giving us a way to go, we see Jesus separate a lot. He, he disconnects. He unplugs. We see him going to the mountains, getting into the wilderness. I personally am finding this no longer to be an option, but rather a requirement if I want to be healthy. Mirroring Jesus in getting away, being in nature, perhaps even sitting in some pain and discomfort, not moving on so quickly. As the scriptures declare, let patience have its perfect work. Sometimes I think we look at patience as something we hold and hang on to, but the Bible says patience will have its perfect work. Patience will work you over. Do I have anybody who agrees with me? This morning, as an example, I woke up a little bit discouraged, pretty overwhelmed. I mean, right out of the gate. There was no right side of the bed. And it wasn't as if something had gone wrong. I'm just, I woke up emotionally tired. Do I have anybody with me? And I chose to do something that I don't usually do. I chose to take it slow. I didn't turn on worship music and just crank into another gear. Yeah, I read the scriptures. I prayed. I settled myself. But then I stopped the urges the constant urges that I had to move on to the next thing, to check my email, to do that first task, to fix the thing in my house that needs to be fixed, to start the laundry, to do fill in the blank. Because I I needed to try and slow myself down. Slow doesn't happen by itself. It only happens when we purposefully engage it. Nature. As I mentioned, Jesus does this, but recently I've been doing this more, and I'm grateful for a wife who says we should do this together. We found it to be really healthy, not only for ourselves and in, in body, but also in spirit for our souls, taking walks, going on bike rides. There's nothing wrong with watching TV. There's nothing wrong with Netflix and, and, and engaging in that type of a thing. And sure, nature is nice to enjoy and pretty and all that stuff, but it's also really slow. Things in nature are allowed to run their course, develop, grow, bloom, even die. And it's almost like when we get in it, when we get out in nature, we get slow too. Or rather that speed becomes a more viable and reachable option for us. A mention about the TV and Netflix that I just said. I have nothing, there is nothing wrong with watching a show, getting caught into a series, even binge watching from time to time. The problem is that when I'm watching TV or Netflix, I'm still processing. I'm processing those lives. I'm processing the plot. I'm trying to figure out where they're going. I'm trying to remember where they've been. Going on a walk, getting out in nature, disconnecting is not processing in that same way. If you're human like me, you could probably stand to slow down. And the faster things get, the more the riptide of culture wants to drag us to immediate action. And not all things are bad. Not all those invitations are horrible. 
purposeful meditation might not be a wrong choice. Jesus says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. We talk about different portions of that scripture, but we, I think, look over that, hey, sit down, slow down consider. Think before you do. Engage before you act. Sift before you speak. I know there's a lot going on. Trust me, there will be probably for a long time. Quickly jumping into the fray and running to act right away or moving on to the next thing might not be the most fruitful activity for you or our world. Love you so much. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share with you and open up at least a process of thought. And I would encourage you all, maybe what you need is not to do more, but actually to do less. Now, may you and the way of our Christ go, be with and care for yourself as God cares for and is with you.